Hello, welcome back to Vet Club. It has been a while. Yep. Uh, so I, this is going to be our welcome back episode. Yeah. I don't even know what to call this one. So, uh, yeah, we have had kind of a long hiatus. Uh, we have a really good excuse. A mediocre excuse. I think it's a really good excuse, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, people will decide for themselves. <laughs> so our excuse is that I guess what, six weeks, two months ago now. It was the Ides of March. Was it, was it the 15th? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. So m- middle of March, maybe the 15th, uh, our house caught fire. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we're fine, <laughs> clearly. Um, our cats are fine, which, you know, was up in the air for a bit. Our attic is not fine. Our attic and the, really most of the rest of our house is not fine. We are not living in our house. Um, we just got our podcast equipment back from... Yeah. The people who rescue your stuff. Um, so if the quality of this one isn't as good, we're let totally us know and we don't... <laughs> we might have to, yeah. <laughs> recording funny. We'll have to get things... Um, but, and it's, everything smells funny right now because the, like the, the cleaning process yeah. that they do has like a weird smell. Yeah. <laughs> like the, I don't know what it is. It was like an air freshener or I if think it's, it's like, like the chemicals um, that they use to get the smoke out leaves behind a chemical smell instead. I think it's a lot of fabric softener. Yeah. Now the... The Our podcast stuff smelled like alcohol, like rubbing oh, really? alcohol. Oh, I didn't know. I think that. that's what they used for a lot but of like that. But like the hair, the headphones. But the rest of it doesn't like, smell like that. Yeah, this is, is this a new one of these or is this came from? This tech, came from the fire. The cover, yeah. So that's probably what's holding on to a lot. of. And, and then we didn't get our microphone stands back. So I'm holding yeah. the microphone in my hand. Um, and <laughs> if I'm if I'm not paying attention, I'll let it drift away from my mouth and then the sound will be me. I guess the same thing could happen if I'm not talking into it with a microphone yeah. stand. Just your but arm's going to get tired. I'm going to, yes. It's, this is just so dramatic. So anyway, um, so we had, we had a house fire. Um, if any, I'm sure there's some people that are listening that have experienced something similar and, uh, it's not fun. Um, I don't recommend it. Yeah. It, you know, zero out of however many stars, but, um, we are very fortunate. It could have been so much worse. Again, we weren't there when it happened. Um, and, and somebody drove by and saw smoke or flames or something and called the fire department who came in and got the fire under control and rescued both of our cats. Um, and that, so we can talk a little bit about vet med here. <laughs> like uh-huh. we were super for, yeah. So in, you know, we drove out to the house. We didn't know what was going on yet. And they said that they had saved our cat singular. We were like, but we have two cats. Um, and I did, I got a little choked up when I was telling him. Topher was just quiet, like uh, a little shell shocked. And uh, so they went back in and, and found the other cat. So the fire was just in the attic um, and they got it under control before it had spread lower. We have a sing- single story house. Um, but the smoke inhalation was still something to worry about. Um, but you know, told the fire department, like, if you, if you bring the cats to me, I can take care of that part. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, that's the thing I, I have expertise in dealing with the fire. That's your guys's thing. Yeah. That was the um, thing we were most worried about. Cause it's like a yeah. 20 minute drive to our house from work and just didn't know. And the, the person that I called back was dispatched. So they can't, they can't like communicate directly with the people who are there. And they said yeah, they, they had know. a cat. So like the whole time we're driving over there, it's like, Oh, one of our cats is burned to death. Pretty sure. And it's yeah. our fault because we left something on, which neither things were true. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, it was a horrible drive. Um, and then anybody who knows us knows I try to deal with things by talking a lot and Topher does the opposite. 
Yeah. So the drive out there, I was probably annoying the bejesus out of him, like talking about like all these hypotheticals and he was probably like, shut, shut up, shut up. Uh, I didn't talk too much though. No. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, which was hard for me because I was just like, ah, like a bajillion things are running through your brain. Um, but then yes, um, both of our cats were f- fine, smelly, but fine. Yeah. It was nice too. Scared. I told the dispatch we were on our way. They said they were going to take one of our cat, the animal control had him and they were going to take yeah. him to a vet. And I was just kind of like, whatever, whatever what they need, need, to, need do, to do, do, even though Bobby is a vet. That's a, we're not going to When we got there, they hadn't um, taken him yet. Yeah. Um, and Bobby looked at it. He was like, yeah, he's, he's fine. Yeah. So that was the thing. They, they weren't sure. And again, so it, that's it, what it's we're going to talk about chaos. today. Things that could happen to your animals in a, in fire. a fire. Yeah. There's not that many different things, um, like the two main yeah. things. It's our first back, so we can have a short one. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but I mean, there are subsets of things that can happen. So the, the two main categories um, uh, with exposure to fire are being burned, so burn injuries, and then smoke inhalation. Um, and so, again, we were super fortunate that neither of those things, to any significant extent happened to either cat. So, um, they thought, uh, when, when, before we, we got motor back, he was the one that came out and, uh, waved his arms around and says, rescue me, rescue me like immediately. And then hippo went hiding. So that he was the one that they didn't know about and they had to go find him later. He was covered in like wet soot and smoke and he was drooling like crazy. He was so scared. Um, so I guess the third thing that could happen is animals get like, leaving the house and getting lost. Yeah. Um, but as far as direct injuries from, from fire, um, again, it would be, bur- they thought that maybe motors paws had gotten burned or something like that. They were totally fine. Um, so yeah, I did, um, initially just like a cursory exam on, on them at home. Yeah. <laughs> so was, what'd you do? It was a bit chaotic. So the main thing was looking at how they were breathing. That was because it, I feel like it'd be pretty obvious if there were severe burns, like anybody would yeah, recognize that. Yeah, you'd be able to see. Right? Um, and then, uh, so the first thing was like, how are they breathing? A little bit tricky, especially with, you know, hippo, because like they're scared. Um, but they weren't in, there was no, despite all the the terror they had to have been experiencing, there was no open mouth breathing. There was no respiratory distress. Um, if they were a little tachypnic, I I mean, I, I wasn't counting their breaths. I was just looking at their breathing. Like their breathing is normal. They are not in respiratory distress. They stink, but other than that, they're okay. So then I did a look, um, there was no obvious severe burn. So then I looked, um, for like paw pads burning, like again, in, in, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but in retrospect, that would be if like the fire had been in like the subfloor and they were walking on like hot surfaces. So yeah. even though there wasn't direct burn, there could still be thermal injury. Um, but because for us, the, the fire was in the attic. Um, that's why they probably didn't have any of those types of injuries. But if they had been on furniture that had gotten really hot or, you know, trying to paw their way out of a door that was really hot, they could get, so I checked their paw pads really carefully um, and those things were both fine. So th- those are the two main things. And those are the things that we see now animals and people can end up having both, both burn and s- burn injuries and smoke inhalation, but actually generally it's usually one or the other. Um, because if you're in the fire, the smoke is further mm-hmm. away. Um, and if you're not in the fire, you know, the, the smoke is coming towards you. So the smoke and the fire are kind of sort of separate, if that makes sense. Interesting thing about the smoke inhalation. So there's the smoke damage itself, right? Like that's like lots of packs of cigarettes all at once kind of a thing, like massive um, inflammation in the lungs. Um, And then there's like deposits of all the nasty stuff, like the particulate matter from the stuff that has burned. And that's where some of the other kind of 
things that maybe don't immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can How does the particular get out of your lungs once you breathe it in? Um, it your like- body's immune system. So like, you know, when you have a cold and mm-hmm. you get all this nasty cough, phlegm stuff, and then like it comes up and you're like, all of a sudden you cough and then it comes up. Well, you have... Um, the basically cilia, the little hairs on those specialized cells in your airways that like do that wave-like motion to bring crud out. You'll also have white blood cells that will engulf small bits and and get them Mm -hmm. out that way. So it's all got to come out where it went in. Mo- yeah, can't almost like go through a membrane or anything. Pretty much no um, of the particulate matter. Like yeah. you don't want to absorb that. We'll talk about some things that will cross the alveolar membrane. But um, most of that, like anybody who has ever done like any sort of construction or projects where a lot of dust was, um, it, you know, stirred up and then later you like blow your nose and it's like black and gunky like that's that's Mm -hmm. your body some of that is just trapped in your nose hairs but if it gets down into your lungs like you'll be coughing up like black grody phlegm potentially um so and that's your body trying to clear that out so the particulate matter can come out that way but then as far as things that could cross um and dissolve into your blood um that's going to be chemicals like carbon monoxide and then also cyanide. So um, like burning of certain materials, like some plastics and things like that. Apples. Yeah, the (laughs) apple seeds. Very funny. You remember that though. Good job. Uh, I think that's like a common thing that people know. Oh, really? Apple seeds seeds? have cyanide. I think it's the thing that kids said. Oh, I don't remember learning that as a child. No. I, that was something I I grew up near learned. a military base, so that Where was people would, like threaten to poison you with apple seeds? Probably. What? So weird. I did not have that. I grew up in a normal neighborhood. Um, but I did learn it as an adult that, but you'd have to eat like a lot of apple seeds um, for it to be any um, realistic amount. But, um, but the burning of various like synthetic chemicals and things like that can release cyanide into some of that um, particulate matter. And again, carbon monoxide. So some animals have um, those types of poisonings where it's not so much the smoke, although it can be also the smoke, um, but it's the inhalation of some of those chemicals and the carbon monoxide and cyanide, what those chemicals do is they bind to the hemoglobin in your blood, which is supposed to be where the oxygen binds and they bind really tightly and they prevent oxygen from binding to those things. And so your blood will look red and your gums will look, um, so you're like, oh yeah, they're, they're not blue. They're not cyanotic or they're not pale, but they might be like more red than pink. And, uh, and so they're going to have all the same signs as if they're not getting oxygen because they're not getting oxygen. It's just, it's because the, the molecules on their red blood cells, the hemoglobin are bound by a different chemical that is not oxygen. Um, so cyanide poisoning and carbon monoxide poisoning are two of the, the things that can happen after, um, uh, exposure to a fire and like a decent amount of smoke and chemical inhalation. Um, so looking for signs, not necessarily like those animals might still even look like respiratory distress or, or weakness from just having hypoxia. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some things to consider. How long would that take to set in? Oh, that would be, I mean, pretty, pretty quick. Fast. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be pretty quick. And then the recovery And you'd be able to see that. that in the breathing? Um, you would suspect it, um, but it, it'd be hard to distinct. Like I couldn't look yeah. at an animal and say, oh, that's caused by smoke inhalation versus that's caused by cyanide. I'm not going to be able to distinguish that necessarily. Um, what you can do, there are... Um, ways to test in the blood for carboxyhemoglobin, so the carbon monoxide. Um, um, I don't know if there's any like 
anybody would have a thing that would allow you to like quickly test for cyanide, but you can get in the idea that, hey, this hemoglobin is not, this is not oxyhemoglobin. This is um, a different kind that's not, that's not working very well. So there are some kind of quick, um, quick tests that you can do if you have those capabilities, not everybody does. So you mostly just have to be suspicious. Like this animal is showing signs of um, hypoxia, but their lungs sound okay. um, And everything else looks okay. I don't think, or their, maybe their x-rays are okay, but they're acting like they don't have enough. It's maybe because it's cyanide or carbon monoxide. And then what do you think the treatment is for that? Time. (laughs) Oxygen and time. Yeah. So again, the carbon monoxide and cyanide bind, they have a greater affinity for the binding site on hemoglobin as oxygen does. And so you just have to kind of wait for those eventually so you can displace them with oxygen. And so giving them supplemental oxygen to kind of change those concentration gradients. So you dilute it out. That's not true. You don't. (laughs) I mean, yes, (laughs) but, uh, and then those can get excreted. So you have to displace them from the oxygen binding sites on the hemoglobin. So you don't dilute it out so much as flood it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you bully them out yeah. um, is what you do. Um, but and, and time. So uh, the good news is if it's smoke inhalation and they're not getting enough oxygen, you're probably going to give them, uh, put the fire out and then give them oxygen. Um, they're not going to, it'd be pretty rare for them to still be on fire when they were brought to you. But yeah. <laughs> just know oxygen is flammable. Um, if you didn't remember that, kids, that's really important. Um so providing supplemental oxygen when you're trying to figure things out for an animal that has been exposed to a fire or potential smoke inhalation, um, supplemental oxygen while you're figuring things out is probably reasonable um, in the short term um, until you get a uh, better handle on things. Burn injuries are, again, usually a little more like more obvious, <laughs> like yeah. there's a burn injury, um, but can be really challenging to manage. Can they have a burn injury, but none of their hair be burned? Like can just like heat what do you do something? Oh, so like yes. if they're on a it, hot surface. Yes, and it can be burn injury without necessarily having their their fur catch fire. Yeah. That, yes. Like you absolutely. wouldn't be able to notice. Like it wouldn't affect their fur. Um, you can see that. You you might have to like look under the fur to look at their skin. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can see injuries like that. That seems like it would the, make it harder to treat if there's like all this hair there. But it's oh yeah, burned. That, it's gonna come out. Like yeah. it, it's not gonna last very long. But it might not have fallen out or burned off yet. So that's mm-hmm. actually a really good point that you might see like red and raised. Um, skin or tissue underneath the fur, but the fur's not gone yet. But if it's bad, like if it's um, like the third degree burn, meaning it's gotten down all the way through the dermis, that hair's going to come out. Like it's yeah. either going to fall off when you're doing treatment or it's going to, you're, when you're um, getting control of that, it's going to come off probably very easily. Like you're not going to use clippers. It's just going to cool. peel off. That's what I was going to ask you. Just like, do you need to shave that over like I that would, irritated it, spot? Yeah, I would not, I would not come at these animals with clippers because that just, it hurts me thinking about it. Um, but most of the time, it's it's going to be fairly obvious because that fur is most likely going to um, to singe away. But it's a good point. You might see um, underneath the fur, kind of split the fur um, to to see that. Uh, and then, yeah, the tricky part of managing burns is you know their major like and the biggest, um, you know, by on surface area and and just area. And one of the most important parts of your immune system is your skin, right? Like that's the barrier that keeps you safe from everything. Um, exposure to all the elements, to all the pathogens. And so when you lose that, it's also keeping, uh, you know, your skin is, you know, 
pretty watertight. Um, so, uh, which is good so that, uh, you know, we take a shower and we don't drown, um, or we don't like become fluid overloaded and we don't lose excess amounts of fluid. So those are some of the risks that we have is lots of fluid loss in patients that have burn injuries. Um, but not just the water and the electrolytes, but proteins get lost in that as well. Um, you're obviously susceptible to all sorts of secondary injuries and, and things. Um, plus it's super painful. (laughs) Um, so that's, you know, that's a And it takes time um, to, you know, take care of. So patients that have significant burn injuries, like in every situation, the first thing is stabilizing the patient is right. Figuring out their cardiovascular status. Um, so are they in shock? You know, probably some degree of hypovolemic shock would be that, you know, hypovolemia would be the, the thing I would think most likely is contributing to the shock. And so addressing that, stabilizing them um, in that regard, getting them pain medications, and then taking some stock of like, okay, what are the, uh, assessing for possible smoke inhalation or other carbon dioxide, monoxide, or uh, carbon monoxide or cyanide poisoning. Um, so again, just getting like the normal, no matter what they come in for, um, an emergency, triage them and address like the most important um, issues. And then once they're a little bit more stable, trying to address the, the burn injuries themselves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't had a ton of those over the years, but the ones that I have, like they stick out, you remember them. Um, yeah. It doesn't have, seem like animals would get burned that much. Cause it's like, not as common. Cause usually you just run away. Yeah. And with people, usually how you get burned is cause you're working doing something. Yeah. I, like you're cooking. Or yeah. There's like an that, accident. Things that pets don't do. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So a lot of the burn injuries, actually, some of them are like accidental things like I, but it's usually not the entire animal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people have seen like heating pad injuries. So under anesthesia, they've got a heating pad to try to keep the patient from getting too cold. Is hippo being weird? Yeah, it's going crazy. Um, to try to keep the patient, and if those malfunction, there's like some sort of malfunction on the heating pad, um, that can lead to, to burn injuries. Um, you know, chemical burns, things like that can occur. Um, some of the, the burn injuries that I've seen, they have been house fires. A lot of those end up being smoke inhalation. Um, the burns themselves that I've seen, I had one sad story. The dog ended up doing really well, actually, but um, the dog was crated on like the screened in porch and it was in like a metal crate. And the fire started in the house. Well, I don't remember where the fire started, but it was the middle of the night and the dog was like barking its head off, which woke the family up, alerted the family. The family got out, but it took them a while to get to the dog because it's in a metal crate. Like you can't just put your hands on that and open it. So they they were able to get to the dog, you know, know, first responders and, and say, but that dog did suffer a number of burns. Um, he did not have smoke inhalation cause he was on a, a, a well ventilated front like porch in a, in a metal crate. So he just really just had the, the burn injuries, but a lot of them and, uh, like his corneas, like his eyes, like, and I wasn't, I told the client, I remember telling the clients like, you should be prepared that like, he's going to be blind for the rest of his life. And the ophthalmologists were like, yeah, probably not that dog ended up being able to see again. Like he mm-hmm. was, it was incredible. Um, but we, he had, you doing is is this we're not going to get our security deposit back we're in our temporary housing and the cat's finding new things to destroy um anyhow um so really it's the the patient does most of the work 
like we take the credit, but the patient does most of the work for a burn injury. So we're just trying to prevent secondary um, worsening. We're trying to manage pain, um, trying to limit um, and counteract like the loss of fluids and proteins. And so um, there's some good evidence in people that like nutrition is super important in patients with significant burn injuries because they're losing so much protein through the fluid. Uh, they're losing a lot of albumin um, via their skin because their barrier is not intact. And so maintaining good nutrition is, is really important for those cases. And then just, you know, keeping them somewhat protected, um, with different like topical, usually some type of antimicrobial ointment. Yeah. I was going to ask like, how do you keep them from getting infected? Yeah. So, and that's, it's hard. Um, the, the evidence is really all over the place on that as far as how to manage and prevent the secondary bacterial infections. Um, because we don't like you need your normal flora still. Um, so it it does become challenging. And so the use of topical antimicrobial agents is often preferred to like take them like systemically, um, in like either IV or orally or something like that. So if you can do topical so that you're preventing it locally without necessarily causing everywhere else in the body to get antibiotics is potentially a good thing. Um, there's some cool stuff that they do in people where yeah. they like graft like fish skin onto people. <laughs> like it, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. There's yeah, I was just thinking to be easier in people because you can tell them, Hey, don't peel this off. Yeah. We can, yeah, can kind of sort of do that in dogs, but it's harder. Um, we've used things like silver sulfadiazine cream, um, which is again, so silver has some natural anti, uh, microbial properties and it's just like this. Yeah. I saw the infomercial for that. Yeah. Um, you just like, there's just creams that you can put on to like sort of slather over them that can be um, soothing. It adds a a barrier. So like just a physical barrier. Um, And then maybe some uh, antimicrobial properties there. Um, There's different products on the market. Again, you can do sort of in people a lot of times, again, they'll do like temporary, they're not grafts because it's not permanently going to stay there, but sort of, yeah, the fish scale bandaging thing is really cool. Um, not a lot of information on that in veterinary medicine, although there are a few things, um, but that's not going to be routinely available for most people. Yeah. It seems like plastic wrap would be good. I guess maybe fish scale cause it's more permeable. Exactly. Yeah. So that was just going to say the plastic wrap is good in one, it, but your skin does still allow, you know, things to get yeah. through. Um, and your skin's pretty awesome. And so using fish scales is, is Eat also a vegetable a nice bag. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, people try different things. Um, if, you know, if you get to the point, these are, these are fairly few and far between. Like there's nobody who's like, I'm a burn unit specialist. Like they have in people. That's not really a thing in vet med. So if you ever have one of these cases, my advice, which is what I would do is like, okay, let's look up what's the latest and greatest for this. Um, because they come, they Google come it. Yeah. I mean, chat DTP. How yeah. do I cure this? cat burn or maybe you could look at the literature on like pubmed or cab abstracts or something more scientific but yeah um maybe chat gpt will get it right GPT, check pubmed for a cat burn there you go um so what i would say again the, the most important things are stabilizing the patient with severe burns right that doesn't change um you still have to start with you know uh, assessing their cardiovascular status their respiratory status their neurologic status step one once you get them stabilized um you know they're there's really not going to be something so dramatically different about managing and stabilizing a burn victim than any other patient in shock. So do that. And then once you have them more stabilized, you can take 10 minutes and go, okay, let's look up what I'm supposed to do to, you know, protect them from, because I haven't looked this up in a while. So it like, there probably is some new stuff coming out as far as what, what do you do about antimicrobials? What do you do about, you know, protecting the, um, you know, where the skin is not there, 
Um, not usually a lot of grafts happening, like in people where cosmetic, uh, you know, cosmesis is important. Where for us, we're like, you survived. Good job. You, yeah. look, you look cooler now with all these scars. Um, but if there's large areas um, where, you know, doing some sort of grafting could help, maybe. Um, but that's not, usually we're, we're allowing these wounds to um, kind of heal by second intention or for new skin to, to yeah, grow. Dogs and, and cats don't get upset when they look in the mirror. No, they probably like, I look super badass now. That's what I would think um, if I were a dog. <laughs> they just don't go out in public as much. No, they do. It's just the other, like the dogs at the dog park are not going to make fun of him for his scars. Like that's yeah. not a thing. So they're not going to be self-conscious about it. Um, so Have you ever yeah. seen the Twilight Zone where it's the yes. guy, he's in the face wraps the whole time and they're talking about like his, uh, he's in a horrible accident. That sounds vaguely familiar. And then at the end they unwrap his face and he just looks like a normal, normal dude, dude and everybody's like, oh, <laughs> and then they're all like, they're all, like they what all we would consider same, like burn yeah, injuries and like a, like, like a Picasso face. Everybody has that. And this guy has what we would consider normal and they're yeah. like, Ew. yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. It was that's, a good episode. I don't know. I don't remember that one. Um, I did not grow up in the 1960s. <laughs> Topher, if for those of you listening don't know, is actually 78. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know how many people don't even know what that is that are listening They've right now? remade it a couple times. Have they? I think even those are like 30 years old. The remakes of that are still 30 years old, babe. It was, they had a marathon like every Christmas and New Year's of all the Twilight 30 songs. years ago. That is not currently. Oh, we're going to Google this later. <laughs> Maybe right now. Where's your phone? When was the last time? Like <laughs> we're not looking that up. Right. You're a jerk. <laughs> uh, I think that means that I just won that argument. Just, <laughs> just saying, that's what that means. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are the big things for. Well, what if like, um, so know. your animal gets stuck and it's in like an X. It's not burned, but it's in like an extra hot area for extended weird time, and it gets like, what is it? Heat stroke. Yeah. I don't is that, know. Like, don't is that know. any different than? If they're outside and they get heat stroke? I wouldn't, I would imagine no. I, I'm not aware of that happening where they just got overheated, but like didn't have any actual burn injury or smoke inhalation. Like how long does but it take theory, to get a heat stroke? So that, that's not, and I don't know if anybody knows exactly, but it's going to depend on, you're right, the duration that your temperature is that high and how high did it get? Um, so if it gets really, really high, um, or it gets moderately high and stays that way for a while, both of those are potentially problematic. Um, so in theory, what you're describing is possible. Have I ever heard of that? No. Okay. Um, because because you would be like sweating like crazy. Like you would be trying to cool off. Yeah. And I think you, I think it would be unlikely that that would happen and you wouldn't also have, but it does raise the issue of like, I'm just thinking like that dog in the cage, like well, if it's yeah. in a non fire area, but it's surrounded by it and it's in like yeah. 120 degrees. For, like, this is just feeling really hot um, for yeah. 15 minutes. I, it's totally plausible, but I just, I've not seen that. Okay. But I also, what it makes, what you bring up makes me think like, well, if they have smoke inhalation and, you know, actual burn injuries, do, could they also have like a heat stress or heat stroke? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably. Something to check next time you get one in the ER. Well, usually by the time they get to us, they've cooled off. Oh. <laughs> they're not usually like sustained that hot, but, um, and I imagine if anything, they're probably going to be cold because again, you're losing your skin. You're going to get cold a lot faster. Your skin is also insulating. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. And then I'll what about like, like panic? Can that ever cause like, so, like how uh, 
Hippo was having, like, he was drooling all over. So, like, yeah. why was he drooling all over himself? Because he didn't know what to do and he was scared. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Can that he, lead to an issue? Just like the, like, terror? I mean, potentially. There. I mean, yes, because distress can lead to more anxiety, especially if they already have respiratory distress. Like, can you go into, like, a panic attack? Yes. Um. Like, if he was a Persian, he would have been in a lot more trouble. <laughs> Uh, maybe, um, you know, he, like if you had a dog, let's say, or a dog or a cat that already had like collapsing trachea or some other respiratory thing that if they get excited or panicky, gets them into trouble. Yes, that definitely can do it. But if you take an animal that's otherwise okay and they're just in like an extreme stress situation, I think it's unlikely to cause any long-term issues. Um, just like you or I going through like, an, I mean, we, we kind of went through a pretty stressful couple of days there. And, and we talked about like in that coming down from that crazy stress, like initially you oh, got- Oh yeah. That, yeah, we were the, supposed the, to max out our deadlifts, like either that day, oh, it was yeah, two we, days later. We were, and we, I was like, I'm not doing that. We, we didn't go to CrossFit terrible. for quite a while, actually. We were living in a hotel. There was a lot we didn't know what was going on. But so you and I talked about how, so when it was happening, we had epinephrine surging, cortisol surging, and that like carried us through. We were able to make decisions, get the cats sorted, get ourselves sorted, like blah, blah, blah. But like a couple days later, it was just like, I just felt tense. Like, and I was sore. <laughs> like I was just like, I, everything feels just very tight and tense and uh, it was the like coming down from that like high rate of stress that was sustained. Um, now we weren't there in the fire and f- that like, that seems way worse. Like what our cats went through, but they also bounced back pretty quickly too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they were stressed cause then we took, yeah, we took it up to the little building that we had. And um, we have a little, yeah. Outbuilding. I was and like, go in there. The other cat was like jumping around all the shelves. Like not totally normal, but like, okay, this is better. And then we threw him in the car. We didn't have carriers at the time. So they're like in the back of the car. And then, yeah, Hippo hid like under us. I don't even know how he got under that seat. Do not put a cat loose in a Honda CRV. Well, generally don't put them loose in any vehicle. But, you know, failing other options, that's what you have to do. But yeah, he was like crammed under there. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, And then you can't lift the seat up because it like squishes down. It'll go down first. So yeah, I was like, well, we're going to crush him next. So yeah, we like rushed him, brought him to work. Cause I was like, I just have to stash them somewhere. Um, so they, so they were in a fire, then they got thrown in the outbuilding, then they got thrown in the car, then they got thrown in a cage at work and then we left them for the night. <laughs> um, and then they stank up that whole room. Everybody was like spraying like air fresheners cause they, everything smelled like smoke. And then we brought them back the, the next day. We brought them back to a hotel. They're like, this is strange. We lived in a hotel for 10 days. Then we moved into temporary housing, which is where we are now. So they had a rough couple. I weeks never too. thought about it, but when we left the hotel, I wonder if they thought because we, t- we told him we were coming from a fire. I could see the cleaning person's like, they were smoking in there. <laughs> and then like the, the front cats desk is were like, pretty stinky. No. I mean, they, they kind of were smoking, but <laughs> yeah, they never, I don't know if they claimed any extra cleaning fees. They didn't tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I feel like it's a different smell to the smoke though. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I mean, they didn't smell like they'd been smoking cigarette. The cats didn't smell like they were smoking. <laughs> they didn't smoke in a house. They did smell like they had been living in a campfire. Um, pretty stinky. But anyway, uh, yeah. So the stress is not helping. Well, I shouldn't say that short term. It's helping like getting you out of like panicky situations, but, but it's not something you clinically worry no, about. I wouldn't not unless they had some other, um, like disorder that stress, like put them into, you know, a, a panic and they went to respiratory stress and then, you know, died from that. Like that could totally happen, but they would, I would think in general, they'd have to have some sort of pre-existing 
condition or a predisposition, like a, a, a bulldog, I might be more worried about. Um, but that's true of any bulldog that gets stressed. Um, so nothing, I don't really think like extreme panic being a major thing. No. Yeah. I guess the other question Maybe. to ask is like, so, so your house burns down, you lose all your stuff and you have your pets. <laughs> what if your pets are on medication? Like, how do you Oh, you call you call a vet and you go, my like honestly, that's if, easy to do. Yes, you call a vet and you go, um, ideally your own vet, and you say, hey, we just had a house fire and now we don't have any of Fluffy's, you know, hemobendin and he needs his heart failure meds, and they go holy crap you're go- i mean everybody we told was like oh my gosh what can yeah. we do to help how can we help you like people are pretty awesome and then you're like yeah i don't know how many pills he had left whatever and they would be like we got this you know now if it's been three years since you've been to a vet they might be like uh bring them in and we'll we'll do a quick exam but um yeah i don't think it would be that hard um the hard part would be if you're like i don't remember what they're on but your vet should have those records. So mm-hmm. if you know who your vet is, if you don't have a vet, then where were you getting your drugs? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I that would be, again, we have, <laughs> you know, I've had animals come in over the years, obviously on emergency and you're just like, yep. And you always are, your heart goes out to those people and you're like, how do we help them out? We had one like a month before our house got fire, actually. Some dogs were brought in like from the ne- a neighboring state. They actually lost they lost one or two of their dogs. Um, so maybe it was just one dog that survived, but had some smoke inhalation, nothing major. But so they're displaced and they brought their dog to us and we kept it. And like the intern who saw that case, which was like, oh my God, I feel so bad for them, went to the hospital administrator and was like, can we help them out financially? <laughs> like they're having a bad day. Can mm-hmm. we just cover and it? Because it wasn't that much for this dog. It ended up doing really well. Um, but I think that's how most people react because um, we certainly had pl- so many people were like, yeah. do you need a place to stay? What can we do to help? How, you know, and our insurance has been really good. We've been fortunate in that regard. One, we have insurance, yeah. um, which is good. Way to go, Erie Insurance. Erie, yep, Erie Insurance. There you go. We'll give them a shout out. Um, they did not sponsor this episode, although they kind of did. Kind of, I mean, sort of. They are helping. House, well, I mean, and we, they're paying for the premiums. place that we live in right We're now. We're paying our premium. We paid our premiums. That was the deal. That's how this works. <laughs> um, so we are, but we are grateful for that. They have been. They have been really good. But yeah, it's not ideal. And so, yeah, that's where we've been for the past couple months. So sorry if you were like, what the heck have they been doing? Those yeah. lazy buggers. Lazy. Like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's partly true. Um, but we also didn't, we didn't have our podcast equipment at home. I do have a set for work, but that's way harder for us to do this. We like to do it at home. Yeah. Yeah. When we're at work, we're just going to come home. Yeah. So, um, but we're fine. So <laughs> no need to send any, uh, you know, offers of, of support and help. We appreciate it. Every, we, so many people offered to help and we are grateful for everyone, uh, but we're fine. We're doing great. And we're glad to be back doing podcasts again. We're just going to have to get some microphone stands and a few other things. And we'll, we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming mm-hmm. uh, the, <laughs> the next time you hear from us. So thanks for tuning back in uh, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.